Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Edelberg. Once again, welcome to the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I'm still your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 201. Hope everyone enjoyed watching the U.S. Open. I watched way too much of the coverage because I was sick the entire week. One of those colds that just absolutely knocks you on your ass. You don't feel like doing anything. And with the U.S. Open being on the West Coast and Golf Channel doing live from all day, I think I saw the coastline montage from Torrey Pines and Tiger's putt on Sunday in 2008. Oh, a couple dozen times at least. Truthfully, it really felt like it took the entire week for the tournament to really get exciting. Don't get me wrong. It's a major. It's the U.S. Open. I'm not going to be changing the channel. And, you know, I really thought that the back nine on Sunday was going to be incredible. I thought we'd see two or three or maybe even four players in that two-hole aggregate playoff. But it just wasn't meant to be. And truthfully, without Rom making those putts on 17 and 18, this major would have had a completely different feel. This is the coronation and the arrival, finally, of John Rom, major champion. He's obviously been on the short list of players destined to win a major for several years now. He was arguably the favorite heading in, especially after what happened at the memorial. But I can't help but think what Sunday could have been. Kepka. McElroy, Bryson, Rom, they're all there. It's also crazy to think that there's only one more major left this season. It feels like Hideki just won the Masters a couple weeks ago. But that's all right. We have the Olympics. We have the Ryder Cup. Plenty of golf to look forward to. I haven't been on the road in a little bit, but that is going to change soon. Once again, I'm heading back to Dallas to cover the 2021 Merido Amateur. Couldn't be more excited to head back to see all of the great people at Merido and especially all the great players in the field. More interviews, photos, videos, really going to pull out all the stops this time. Make sure you're following on Instagram and not just my Instagram page. Go follow the Merido Amateur Instagram page. It's pretty simple to find. Just search Merido Amateur. And don't forget, the Western Amateur is about a month away. I'll be covering that championship alongside the great people at the Western Golf Association. I cannot wait to experience the Western for the first time. My guest on this episode is Joe Pagden. Joe just completed his freshman season as a member of the University of Florida Gators men's golf team. How was his 2021? Well, he's the 2021 SEC Freshman of the Year. He made the Ping All-Region team. He was selected to the international squad for the Arnold Palmer Cup, and he was also a reserve for the GB&I squad at the Walker Cup. We spoke about his start in the game, what led him to Florida, his journey to the NCAAs, and again, his pursuit to make it onto that GB&I Walker Cup team at Seminole. As I said, ultimately, he was selected as a reserve for the GB&I team, and for someone that wanted to be there playing so badly to embrace a support role in the way that he did, I gained a lot of respect for Joe that week. The Walker Cup returns to the old course in Scotland in 2023. And believe me, those dates are circled in ink on Joe Pagden's calendar. Let's get this episode started. Joe, you're at the back of the range. How are you? Very good. How about you? I am uh, I'm doing well. Just uh just we're recording on the uh, on the Saturday of the PGA Championship, so I was 
nervously watching Phil Mickelson as a fellow uh, old guy just like myself, and uh, I guess uh, I guess he's going into the final round with a with a lead. And and this episode will be released after the PGA Championship is over. So uh, let's have some fun predictions. Is Phil going to win this or not? Um, I'm I'm actually not sure. I mean, after watching quite a bit of uh, coverage these past few days, you know. You know, J- JC, uh, my coach, he, he went out there on Friday to help one of his players, and he said it's one of the toughest conditions he's ever seen. So, I mean, I- I'm looking forward to, you know, watching tomorrow afternoon, and I-, I think it's up for grabs. You know, if that wind blows and, you know, conditions get firm and fast, I think anyone could win. Um, but I-, I think it'll be cool. You know, there's several people I think it'll be cool to see when, you know, obviously Phil, you know, obviously at-, at his age and, you know, how how many times, you know, he's won and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but I think it would also be cool to see Brooks, you know, get another major after, you know, some of the issues he's had, you know, with injury. Um, and then my, my kind of dark horse pick is Louis Ustase. And I think, you know, he's, I think he's almost got like a career grand slam of runner ups. Um, he does. I think, he does. I think, yeah, I think it'll be cool to see him uh, pull it off. Yeah, I really like the venue. I like you. I'm actually going to be there in September. I, I'm actually going to put the microphone down and go play a little golf myself. So I got a lot of my buddies that are reaching out saying this place looks awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I I am very anxiously awaiting what will happen tomorrow. I, I'm looking forward to something down the stretch. Now, we just talked about this golf course, and we're going to talk about all sorts of different golf courses that you've been playing on over the last uh, year or so. But um, you are the, uh, first of all, congrats, SEC Freshman of the Year out of the University of Florida. So nice uh, nice start to your collegiate career. I always like to get a little bit of history on the guests on the podcast as to where they picked up the game, where they got into golf. Uh, I, I know you've spent quite a lot of your childhood and junior career and amateur career in the state of Florida, but you are not a Floridian, I guess. You are, uh, well, tell people where you're from. Yeah, well, um, I'm from Sheffield, England. Um, you know, born, raised most of my life or half my life there, and moved over when I was young. And my, you know, my parents wanted to move out here and set my dad set up a business. And he, he just wanted to experience it because we always came on holiday when I was young. Sure. And you know, loved it. Obviously, loved the weather and loved golf out here. And you know, be, before I played golf, um, I played football, uh, soccer. You know, and I was quite good. I played for an academy team, um, not in England. In England, I just played for fun, and I was, you know, very competitive. My dad played professionally when he was in his teens uh, for Sheffield United, which is our football club now. Nice. And so when I moved over here, I played for a um, it was an academy team called Orlando Craze and Crush, and they were a feeder team into what is now the Orlando City, the MLS club. And I loved it. You know, I sleep and breathe. You know, I practiced every day. I was so into it. And obviously my dad wanted me to grow up to be a professional right. as well. You know, be better than him because he didn't have a long career. And, you know, I, I played golf a bit here and there with my dad when he would go out with his mates and, you know, I'd play a couple holes. And I, I always liked it. And the story that um, where I, I started golf really, and it's kind of a well-known story now, is we're, we're out in Orlando uh, where we had a house at the time. And I was I was eight at the time. And I just played golf, you know, just recreational for fun. And after a soccer match that day, and uh, we were at Subway just outside of 
just in Orlando, little okay. sandwich shop. And I was there with my dad and, my, you know, my football kit and everything. And a red Ferrari pulls up outside. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, that's a, that's an awesome car. And so, you know, this guy gets out of it. And I said to my dad, oh, who's that? And he goes, ah, oh, Tim Poulter. I said, who's that? And he goes, oh, it's a professional golfer. I was like, oh, wow. And, you know, he walked in with all his, you know, tour logos on. And I was thinking, obviously, just, you know, sure. once break during practice. And so, obviously, because the English connection in that, you know, my dad went up to him and said, hey, do you mind if my son has a, you know, get your autograph and that? And he goes, yeah, sure. And so, we, we spoke for about 10 minutes, you know, about football. He's an Arsenal fan and that. Um, and so, it was like that and chatted for 10, five, 10 minutes. And I was like, wow, this guy is cool. And the, the, the presence, you know, as he walked in the door right. know, with his walk and, you know, the way he looked at the golf clothes. And I was like, you know, this guy means business. And I said to my dad after that, I was like, I want to be like him. And he goes, well, you got to play golf. And about 10 p.m. that night, I walked into my dad's room and I said, Dad, I said, I'm quitting football and I'm playing golf. And he was like, what? I was like, <laughs> yep. And for him, it broke his heart because, you know, he lives and breathes right, football. Right. And, um, you know, playing over here, playing for, you know, the soccer club that was out here, you know, he really wanted me to pursue that as a career. And, you know, when we, you know, go back to England and play there. And, but he saw that at such a young age, I'll, I was just determined by that, that, by that moment. And so we, 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 you know, changed everything. I started playing, you know, when I started going to Lake Nona, which was about, 10 minutes from where we lived at the time and I started seeing a coach called Scott Blanchard and you know after a couple months of working with him you know I got to the point where I could start playing US Kids events and I started playing those in the Orlando area and you know got good quite quick so I played a bit before that but it wasn't you know anything serious and right while I was while I was over at Lake Known obviously Ian lived there and Scott my coach at the time introduced me to him again and realized, you know, he's like, Oh, I remember meeting you. And so I said to him, I said, well, you're the reason why I started golf. I said, ever since I met you that day, you know, I've just been in all, you know, the game and I, you know, I watched every, all videos of him and learned who he was. And then he introduced me to his son, Luke, Luke Poulter. And he, he was very young at the age of probably six. Um, I, I was eight or nine at the time. And it was kind of good because I kind of got to play with someone out there, you know, I'd go out there for lessons and then sure. go play a couple of holes with the son. Um, and it, for me, it was just surreal. I was like, wow, I mean, you know, this guy's, you know, like a Ryder cup hero and you know, I'm playing, you know, he's out there and I can see him practice. And at the time, you know, Justin Rose was out there, Gary Woodland, uh, Trevor Umham. And then for me, it was just like, a, like straight into the game. I got access to all this, you know, all of golf. Sure. Yeah. And so it just, you know, developed here and there. And, you know, Ian, Ian kind of helped me, you know, throughout. Yeah, I'd see him out there on the range a couple of times, you know, give me some tips and, you know, he, he didn't invite me to play with him a bit. And I still remember one day after a lesson, after school, um, you know, I was using US Kids Clubs and that. And obviously he was with Cobra and at the time and, you know, his son had Cobra Clubs and I was at the back of the range, it was going dark and he pulls up in his in his buggy um, and his son comes and hands me a driver, Luke. And then I was like, I was like oh, it's you know, this year your driver got me hit. He goes, no, it's yours. I was like, what do you mean? He says, and Ian looks at me and goes, you're welcome. And he got me, you know, he got me, it was a Cobra ZL driver. Um, I still remember it to this day and I still have it. It was a Cobra ZL driver, which he was using at the time and his son had, and it was the exact same one as Luke. And it had this gray shaft in it with orange writing. And 
I was just like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, and from there on, I was just so motivated to become, you know, great at golf and become like him. And, you know, I started traveling. I started playing, you know, going back to the UK and playing, you know, some youth events, played like the US kids in Scotland, um, you know, playing the world championship for US kids and doing that whole scene. I just loved it. You know, it was great. Every week you would travel to a different part of the world or the country and play. And I was just, I was like, this is just so cool. You know what I mean? You, you learn stuff about the world and about, you know, life while playing a game you love. And what I liked about golf a lot better than soccer was it was independence. You had to rely on yourself. Sure. And I've never been a big fan of having to rely on other people for success or to go places and that, I, you know, I like to do it myself. And that that's part of the reason why I stuck with golf. And then one day going for a lesson and I was driving through the, the gates of Lake Nona and I wasn't really paying attention and we went through the members gate. We didn't stop at the security gate and my, I was like, I said to my dad, I was like, um, how'd you get in there? And he goes, you're now a member at Lake Nona. And I was like, what? And, you know, my dad, you know, realized that golf looked like it was going to be my career and he, you know, my dad will do anything for me. And he realized that's the place to be, you know, the access I have to the future of golf and, you know, the resources. And for, you know, he, he put the investment and, you know, the time into it and, got me a membership there and that you know that's where i've been based ever since you know i've been been there a long time now and you know the people out there have helped me a lot you know the facilities are amazing and you know i can't thank them enough for that opportunity and you know ian was a very big part of that he helped you know i was getting a membership there and you know who to who to talk to and get the right people to know and ever since then you know that, that that's the reason i started golf and that's where it all began and you know today to this day ian um, and the Poulter family have been very helpful for me. Uh, I went to school with their kids, and Ian's taught me many things in life, in golf, and how to handle myself. And, you know, Luke, he's one of my closest mates now. Um, Today is actually his birthday. Uh, it is. It, it is. is. He, uh, he he reached out to me, actually, on Instagram a while back, saying he, he liked the podcast, and uh, I told him today, I saw that it was his birthday. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm talking to Pagna today. And he's like, Joey P's the man. I said, well, we're, we're going to, we're going to get some good stories. Now that is a fantastic story. And my big takeaway is I should eat more Subway. I'm kidding. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Um, no, that's, that is a fantastic story because of so many reasons. I mean, where it's led you to, uh, to, to where you are right now, you know, playing, uh, you know, playing all over the world, playing for a division one program and all your success. But I think it's also a great story for people to listen to whether they are a world famous professional golfer or they're a accountant or a doctor or a lawyer, you never know who is watching you and who's going to come up to you. And I mean, obviously you're going up to him for an autograph, but that could just as easily be um, you know, someone that's an attorney or in insurance and they strike up a conversation with someone at a restaurant or a gas station or whatever, you never know who uh, you may be talking to and how it can inspire someone. Um, <laughs> I, I still am chuckling at your dad, who is just a complete uh, football nut. And his son says, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he says to me to the state, you know, apparently it, it just broke his heart, but you know, he knew, he knew that he trusted my decisions and I've had to make a lot of tough decisions in, you know, in obviously in my career coming up to being where I am. And, 
it's 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 part of reason why I've you know I'm being a very self reliant person, you know, and that's sure. that's why I chose golf. I like to make my own decisions and not let other people make them for me because I want to choose where I, I I go in in life. And it it's I mean golf has just been I, I couldn't have asked for any more what you know what it's brought for me and in, in my in my life, you know, the experiences, the people I've met. Um, it's just an amazing game, isn't it? It's just oh, yeah. it, it's unlike any other. So and just not the not just the game itself, but also just it seems to be something that it just opens so many doors for you. Like it reveals yeah. your character. Now you you mentioned Lake Nona. This is up in Orlando, Florida. For people that are not familiar with the area, I think I think many people, if they were following Tiger in his youth and when he was really uh, in his heyday, I, I think you know Windermere and Nona were kind of mentioned side by side. So yes, there's a lot of professionals that are still based out of Lake Nona. And I know you've played, obviously, a lot with Poulter, Stenson, McDowell, um, you know, Justin Rose. And I wanted to ask you, and and this is great, that they welcomed you in. You're a kid working on his game, trying to make it. When did it start to turn from just being nice to this kid that's taking interest in the game? When did it make for the turn from that to perhaps treating you as more of a contemporary that is okay this kid's going to be an elite amateur this kid is going to play collegiately um we don't need to necessarily you know shelter him or hold him by the hand and introduce him to golf we need to maybe work with him and and teach him a few things as if like i said a contemporary do you remember when that shift kind of started yeah i mean i I don't know the exact kind of time sure um but I, i do i did notice several things and you know obviously you know someone who i've always you know kind of looked up to is you know the the stage between who you know who has been the stage between me and obviously those guys who have already almost done with their careers on tour it was sam horsefield and yeah you know he he had the same story as me you know moved over when i was young and you know he's you know close to the end too and ian's mentored him and it was kind of you know i i saw when i was younger i saw how he mentored sam and how you know so i learned from that learned you know what sam has told me what ian has told me and then, you know, for me, I was able to learn that next step. So, you know, the amateur golf and the collegiate. And so it was kind of like a, you know, like a lending tree, of, you know, for, for that situation. And I think what what I kind of noticed was, that, like you said, the turning point was when, you know, they would openly start asking me to play with them when it's not just with their kids or right, right. me saying, hey, do you mind if I join it? Hey Joe, we're gonna go play a couple. Would you like to join? And when I, when I'd be practicing on the sh- you know the short game area at the back of Nona, I mean I made that when I you know my days back there, I made that my home. You know I spent hours and hours on that back short game area, and the back area was for professional touring professionals only. And you know I, I kind of worked my way back there to you know practice because obviously it was quiet, separated from everyone, so right. you can get some work in. And I noticed when when you know they would come up to me and I'm practicing, see how I was you know, all right, Joe, you're doing all right. And, you know, have you been playing and not really say anything to me? Like, you know, do you mind moving or anything like that? That's when I noticed, I said, you know, I really think, you know, I'm starting to make some good friends and some respect from, you know, the guys above me. Um, And it's, you know, it's something that it's a once in a lifetime, you know, opportunity. And I can't thank the people around me enough. And, you know, my, my parents for giving me this opportunity and, 
it's one of it's one of those things that you know I'm starting to realize when you know you meet young golfers one little kind gesture of you know it, it goes a long way for you know a young person and it did for me yeah and it just struck me just you know the just the talent they had and how they went around things and that's why that's one of the things that's helped me the most and you know my game is just being able to you know eye on eye in person learn from these guys you know i'd sit there and watch just watch them practice and i just learned so much stuff at a young age that you know i probably wouldn't have you know in other places and it's it, it's something that i kind of wish i could go back and you know watch it again <laughs> I, I can imagine now i know you would not uh i know you would never admit that there's someone that possibly outworks you on the golf course but again you're at nona you got all these pros i think the average golf fan sees these guys on tv they see polter yep. with his flashy clothes they see stenson they see a little bit of his sense of humor and, and you know rose i mean all these guys down the list but they may not understand what happens, you know, behind the scenes. And you mentioned, you know, the back of the range at, at Nona. Who perhaps would surprise the average golf fan as you know, with their work ethic? It's kind of tough to find someone about their work ethic. But there, what I was able to, you know, see is there's a difference between the pros practicing, you know, on an off week versus them practicing five days before going going to Augusta. Okay. You know, you know, you drive up there, you know, in, in your golf cart and you pull up and say hi on just, uh, you know, say Christmas time, right? Now they stop everything. Ah, oh, how are you doing? You know, look at you. You pull up to them if they're with their caddy, you know, a couple of days before they're leaving. They don't look anywhere but what they're focusing on. Gotcha. And it's, it's really... It's really like like there's it's it's a switch. They just there a switch is on. Yeah, and like for me at a young age, I'm like, oh, did I do something to upset right, them? Right, you know, right, right. Was I not supposed to be practicing here and stuff like that? And it, and it's not that. It's just when they mean business, they mean business. And you know, you go out there and you it's it's cool to see because you you can see, you know, especially kind of the mini tour guys even that are out there and the up and coming pros and. But especially the guys, you see them with their families, you know, especially like Henrik and Ian G-Mac with their little boys out there having fun. And you, I get to see that side of things. But then at the same time, I get to see the side where they're out there with their coaches, their caddy and their physios and their, you know, full boot camp, you know, not a single distraction. And it, it's it's cool to see how they can just switch it like that. And that that's something I've kind of um, incorporated into my kind of daily life of how I practice and sometimes I struggle to focus when I don't have much to practice for sure but then I'm able when it means business I'm able to click on and really you know put my time to use and be effective with it and it, it, it's cool to see from an outside perspective yeah no I I can I, I've picked that up along the way of doing this podcast that seems to be a very consistent theme that there's times where they're just kind of you know, gently keeping things sharp, playing some golf, just keeping some feels. But then when it's time, when there's a tournament, uh, you know, five, seven, 10 days out, then literally they just, they go into, into a mode that is like, yeah, this is my job and I have to, I have to get to work. So. And like the biggest thing I, I especially when I was young, because I was very into like always wanting to make sure my swing was perfect and right, you know, right. things and that. And 
the guys, you know, I mean, anyone who knows any professional golfer really, you know, I mean, I'm sure they can kind of relate to this, but they're not always changing. You know, they're not out there practicing to try and find something to fix. They're out there to just kind of keep keeping the, you know, the fluid going, keep ticking over. And then when it comes to preparation before the event, they're preparate, you know, it's specific for that event. And especially, you know, at, at Nona, when it becomes Masters Week, they speed up the greens, you know, they get them quick. So the guys, you know, they practicing, you know, 14, 15 stint putts. Yeah. And I even remember one day Ben On was out there and it was in the summer just before the, the British Open and he had an umbrella out in front of him in the bunker to practice for pot bunkers. And it's little things like that that you've noticed, you know, they're not just here practicing for fun. They, they've got out of purpose and, you know, they're not going to go home until they've achieved that. Yeah. Every, everyone out there, they, when, when it's not crunch time for tournaments, they are the best people. You know, some of the conversations I've had on the range with, you know, Ian, Henrik, Graham, the funniest stuff I've ever heard in my life. And <laughs> it's cool because you see the side of athletes and high-performing celebrities that people don't see. And I kind of wish people did see that, if you know what I mean, because you see them out there with their kids, they're having fun, you know, they're, they're talking to people who come up and, you know, ask them for pictures and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of athletes, I think, do get a bad rap just because of their stuff on in performance, whether it's, you know, basketball players, football players, tennis players. And, you know, Ian, he, he is an amazing guy. You know, it, it's he's funny. He loves his family. He's super caring. You know, if he sees someone who, you know, you know, is hardworking and he wants to help them, he will help them. And, you know, he'll devote the time to help anyone who he feels. And like, like you said, you know, he, he has a lot of charity days with, uh, I know, I think it's dream flight is his charity that he works with, okay. um, which is based in UK. And, you know, they bring, you know, children with illnesses over to Disney for a week and, you know, he goes out there and spends time with them and he, he hosts an event at Nona, a charity event and as a, you know, a get together at his house and stuff like that. It's just what makes, just what makes that, you know, sports great. Um, it's just something cool that, you know, hopefully one day I'll be able to do that. You know what I mean? And, you know, giving back to, you know, the, the community around us in golf and just in life. I think that's what, that's why you said golf is a sport that is not just all about how good or how bad you are. It opens many doors yeah. and it, it's just something I think so great about the world we live in today. Now I know that he's been very influential with influential with your uh, with your you know ascension in the game of golf, but uh, you, you have this great junior career. I know you're number one ranked junior in um, in AJGA, and you know several uh, you know uh, All American in 2019. You played on the England boys team uh, three times, so you have this great junior career and living in Orlando with um, you know now that you mentioned Horsefield, know that he went to the University of Florida, and that's where you end up. Um, but it's, you know, at, at the level you're at in junior golf, you probably have access or interest uh, by several top programs. I know you committed relatively early to play at the University of Florida. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Coach Deacon and and how that program became the uh, the one that you chose to play your college golf. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember uh, talking with my father and Gregor Jameson, um, the head at Lake Nona. And um, 
my dad was always like talking to him, you know, looking, saying, you know, what division two schools, you know, what schools in Florida could Joe potentially get in. And Gregor always said to my dad, look, stop looking at schools like that. You need to look at, you know, the top division one programs. And I just didn't think I was ever that good, you know, to do that. <laughs> okay. you, you know, being from the UK, you know, college, it, it was something different. You know, my parents never experienced it. I, you know, wasn't aware of it. And so funny enough, around that time I was in middle school, they had the Tavistock Collegiate at Lake Nona. Right. And, you know, there's Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Arizona State, you know, all the big schools. And was, my dad was like, you know what? Go out there every day and watch, you know, introduce yourself to the coaches. And, you know, I went out there and spent some time watching the teams and learning from them. And then, you know, the first person that walked out of the clubhouse was uh, Coach Deacon. And I went up and says, hi, coach, I'm Joe. Um, I live here and I'm a junior golfer and I'm interested in your program. And he's like, awesome, great. I was like, I, I look forward to watching you this week. And, you know, and the whole week I went and watched, you know, the guys play the practice rounds. And I, I remember going out there watching the guys on the Florida Gators on hole four. And I was, pl- I was playing behind them. They were the last um, last practice group going off. And I was just out there with my dad playing behind them because I was leaving for a tournament a couple of days after. Sure. And I kind of get up to the tee waiting behind them and they all teed off and they're about to drive off. And he goes, says, let's see you hit one. <laughs> as, as they were up to the green and I hit one and I flagged this hybrid from like 200 yards and it was one of the coolest shots I've hit. I bet. Um, and I was like, wow, you know, and watch the guys play and you know obviously I sent a lot of resumes in and so I started you know speaking to a lot of coaches obviously with the NCAA rules that you know I could only contact them and you know I was like wow you know they're not allowed to contact me they're not allowed to watch me at certain things and you know once I started getting on the radar winning a few junior events and get my ranking up you know I was playing AJGAs and you know I was out there and I just started seeing a ton of coaches watching me and I was like wow this is uh starting to get real yeah, I had four or five at a time, and, you know, it was quite a bit of pressure. I was like, you know, wow, like, I felt almost like you're playing to impress them, but you weren't really, you know, they just wanted to see how you are on the course, not specifically how you play, but how you handle yourself. And, you know, Sam, I was really close with Sam, and, you know, I learned a lot about Florida in the program, and I was like, wow, you know, that's great. You know, he won freshman of the year, um, you know, won, you know, set so many records in that. And I knew several people coming into the program, you know, back then, and obviously they wouldn't be there when I was there. And, you know, I, I looked at so many SEC schools, ACC schools, and I wasn't too bothered about going over to the West Coast, um, just because it was far from Florida and also even further from the UK, if my family was there at the time. And I remember coming on a visit to UF, and I was I went to one of the football games, American football games, and I was like, wow, you know, it was a swamp. It was packed with oh, 80,000 yeah. people. Um, and I was like to my dad, I said, wow, this, I, I've never seen anything like this. And I drove home that day. It was, it was, it was a night game and we got back at like midnight and my ears were ringing the next day because it was so loud. Sure. And, uh, so, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of thought and consideration in top programs. You know, I was very fortunate to have a lot of schools, you know, offering me and, you know, wanting me to go to their program. And I just built this really close relationship with with JC um, and John Hendrigan at the time, who was the assistant. And yeah. it was just, a, I was just like, it, it was the first person that I, I met and so much kind of connected the dots with 
with my friends going there, Sam, obviously, you know, being the location of it. And I fell in love with the campus and, you know, the practice facility. And I came up on, um, it was actually my birthday in my eighth grade year, came up for the FSU game and sat down with the coach again. And, you know, he offered me and looked at my dad and said, I said, dad, I think this is the place. And he's like, it's up to you. And, you know, you, you pull the trigger. And so I said, coach, I'm, I'm committing. And, you know, it was still one of the greatest days of my life. It, you know, I, I thought I was like expecting it to have to, you know, I didn't know anything like it was a big deal. And it, you know, all I had to say was I'm committing and that. And obviously, you know, there's some stuff you had to do in that. And then I was a Florida Gator and I was very young. Um, you know, I was, I was eighth grade at the time. And I think I was the youngest commit to the <laughs> University of Florida's golf program. Okay. And I took the view of, for me, once I committed and got my, you know, where I wanted to go in my future set, I could then go play the rest of my junior and amateur career free right you know exactly. i didn't have to worry about impressing a coach or finding a spot and i got a lot of a lot of um backlash from it to be honest and you know the golf channel even did an article about it saying that it was irresponsible of my dad let me do that and uh you know school taking that risk but well they didn't they, you know they never really asked me for a you know for my my thought and you know why i did it and there's so much into it you know a lot of talking, a lot of people I met, and it just felt the place for me. You know, it was an instant connection, and I went with my gut, and, you know, so far it's worked out great. And, I, you know, then the rest of my junior career, I was able to just play for free, you know. It, I didn't have to worry. I wasn't stressed. I enjoyed playing. And then you see, you know, I saw some of my friends and that, you know, coming up to their, you know, junior, senior year, like, oh, I need to find the school. I need to find the school. Right. And, it just was able to let me set my plan out for the next four or five years so easily. So that that's kind of how that started. Yeah, no, and and uh, I mean, there's tons of different ways to go about that process. Whether you're, uh, you know, you commit early, you don't commit early. Um, you know, there are also other pro. I mean, there are some people that are wired for a Division One program. There are some that are not. There's some that are that, you know, there, there's so many opportunities to play collegiate golf. There's no right or wrong for just everyone. There's plenty of opportunities. Um, and obviously it's worked out well for you, worked out well for, for coach Deacon and for the university of Florida, obviously, uh, you know, being a very, uh, a strong player that's leading them to the national, uh, going out to Greyhawk for the national championship, but you are still a freshman. Now I know it wasn't a big transition geographically. I know that, uh, you know, basically Gainesville is just a couple hours up the road from, from where you are in Orlando, but you know, the first year of college can be difficult. And then obviously throwing in athletics to balance with your academics, you know, it's quite a bit, um, you know, obviously played well. How has the transition been for you going into college Perhaps what are some things that you've learned that, okay, I maybe need to tweak this moving on for the rest of my career? Um, you know, tell me about that first year of school. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a very unique year, especially with COVID and everything. Well, yeah, and, they're throwing that in too, of course. You know, it, it was one of those, you know, I remember last year at Sage when, you know, COVID hit and everything. It was weird, you know, the world was shutting down. And so this year has definitely been, it's been different. You know, I've, there's been some, positives with it and you know some negatives you know we've very thankful that we've been able to play you know that that's you know and also much you know we got to play in the fall the sec played in the fall which you know was amazing 
that they were able to pull that off and and obviously in the spring and you know it was the adjustment in certain aspects was difficult and in, in certain aspects it was you know very easy and it was great because I knew everyone in the program and everyone coming into the program so coming in it wasn't like I was you know starting fresh with you know new faces and everything so I was able to connect with the team and you know you know, Ricky and I, we've been friends a long time and, you know, we, we, we basically committed together. He just committed just after me and we, we were, we both talked and, you know, we wanted to come to this program together and, you know, win some national titles here. And, you know, we've got several people on board who followed after that. And, you know, the school year has been great. You know, the, the resources at the University of Florida have are, you know, incredible, um, better than I, I you know, expected. You know, the, you know, the gym, I was able to really get into the gym, you know, this, you know, it's been difficult because of COVID and certain restrictions, but the trainer, our trainer, Patrick Lewis, you know, me and him, we worked really hard and the team did for our workouts and I got in and I gained a lot of weight, which I intended to do, a lot of muscle weight and a lot of power. And it's really helped me gain some speed and some distance. And I look at that in such a short period of time and just think over four years, you know, how how much improvement I will be able to make in you know, my academics, my physical life, my maturity, and in my golf. And that's part of the reason I, I chose Florida. Yeah. And, you know, with COVID, you know, obviously, like, you know, it, as a freshman going to, you know, your first ever student football game and you've only got 15,000 people. There yeah, <laughs> you kind of get the kind of got the wrong end of the stick on that, but that's okay. Yeah, it's stuff like that's different. And, you know, some obviously resources aren't available because of that. And, you know, having, you know, having, you have to be really careful with, you know, with COVID and obviously, and it, it, it was great. It was tricky. You know, it was, an, it was an added pressure and an added stress that a freshman probably didn't need, but, you know, I was able to get through it and, you know, I learned a lot about myself and a lot about life, um, you know, with school, with, you know, friendship stuff and with golf. And I, I think college is such a good middle you know a transition phase for any athlete to go to the professional ranks you know yeah it's you just you, you live by yourself you learn how to do stuff it, it just creates you into an adult and i, I mean I, I wouldn't change anything for it you know i, I just look is it i you know everyone says i wish i had another year i wish i had another year and i, I can see it you know it, it's gonna you know you, you want to stay here forever um, but obviously, you know, you, you've got to go on to the next step and I, I treat every day, like, uh, just another stone to get to me where I want to be. And obviously that's, you know, professional golfer on the tour and, you know, I'm using all the resources I can, you know, the coaches here, the trainers, you know, my teammates around me pushing me and it's, it's just an amazing experience. It's something I never thought, you know, when I first, you know, picked up a golf club I'd ever be doing. And you're only uh, you're only one year in, and it sounds to me that you're gonna you know use every opportunity you can to to further yourself uh, you know professionally or, or you know athletically and and you know get you know all those life experiences so that when you do go out on that um, you know that that kind of a lonely road of being a professional golfer because it's uh, you know you're you're not gonna have a team around you um, like in in this sense. Um, I, I want to ask you, or let's just, I don't want to get into every single tournament that you played in this year. Um, you know, solid season, multiple top tens, obviously that led to your, 
your freshman of the year award. Um, you guys did have back-to-back wins, Tim McQuanta Cup, and then you won your home tournament in Gainesville. But admittedly, probably you guys had a couple, you know, average team finishes here and there, and you had that. Um, you had a WD at LSU uh, because of uh, COVID. I think someone in the program uh, had COVID, so you guys had to pull out of that. And then you go to SEC championships, and I, I, I'm guessing you can can probably say that that was definitely one of the the weakest, uh, uh, you know, finishes for the team. I know that you played well, but for the team, not your best. And you know, you got to go to regionals. And as I've said previously on this podcast with with college golf. Um, it does not matter how many tournaments you win. It doesn't matter how many All-Americans you have. It doesn't matter what your ranking is. You have to be one of these top five teams uh, advancing through regionals to get to the national championship. So I'm curious if you can maybe, you know, let us in the team room, so to speak. What was Coach Deacon's – what were the remarks after SECs before regionals that, that kind of got you guys on the right track to ultimately get through? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, we're, we're a very young team. Uh, you know, our starting lineups, you know, me, Tyler, our freshmen, you know, we got Yushin, Ricky, Gio, Fred, and John, you know, you know, it's the oldest person's a sophomore. And, yeah. you know, we're golf-wise, we're very experienced, but obviously age-wise, you know, we're young. And there is, there is a very, uh, I noticed with my, you know, my current, you know, the eight, seven or eight events we've played so far and playing, you know, with different players from different schools, you can tell the difference between the seasoned college players and, you know, the newbies, including myself. And, you know, you you look at, you know, players now who, you know, are about to turn pro, such as, you know, Davis Thompson and John Pack. And, you know, you know, we and, you know, others on the team and I, you know, I compete with them, you know, week to week. And, you know, it's, I use it opportunities to learn from them when I play with them. Obviously, you know, I'm competing against them and, and trying to obviously beat them and, you know, win a tournament. But I try and pick up little things here and there. And you, you, just the way they play, you can tell they've been through the system. And that's why when I, I started off the season with, you know, a couple top 20s, but I wasn't playing my good golf. You know, I was making a lot of mistakes that I probably shouldn't have. And I just wasn't playing quite good of golf, just with some technical stuff. But I was able to learn in that fall season some simple stuff that I brought into the spring season. And, you know, I, it's, it's really helped me, uh, I would say. You know, I, I went from being probably like having some average finishes to having some, you know, really good finishes. And you now they, they get, you know, we won the first event of the year at Timaquana in a playoff. Yep. With Liberty and that was one of the coolest experiences for me because it was a five five man, five man playoff, went in two groups, and it was like it was weird because in the playoff, you know, usually it's you and another person, there's a lot of pressure. You're you mistake and you're done. But when you've got five guys for four scores, it's like it freed you up. It was like I was playing, you know, a match with the boys throughout our home course, but it was a playoff and I was like <laughs> I said to the coach, I was like, This is one of the coolest things ever. Like I, I was giggling down the fairway. I was like, "Wow, you know, this is this is sick." And you know, we won. I, I, you know, I made a, I hit a great shot on the second hole on nine irons, like five, four or five feet, and made a birdie. Um, and then the second group, you know, they all parred, and you know, Liberty had a bogey. So, you know, we're able to win it. And 
then we come to the Gator and, you know, I get off to a really hot start. I'm leading after round one and due to weather, we had to play, you know, like 45 holes on the first round or whatever it was. And, you know, I put myself in some good positions and I was able to card, uh, card my first top 10 eighth there. And, you know, we were four or five shots back going to the back nine. And, you know, we pulled it together, you know, with our home event, we had a, a lot of people out watching, you know, the support, you know, I saw I had Fred in front of me, he wouldn't have an eagle and back-to-back birdies and he was fired up. I remember a fist pump he had on the uh, hole 12, par five, trained a bomb for eagle. I was in the fairway and it gave me the chills. I was like, all right, here we go. And all of a sudden the momentum turned. We, we hit a hot streak and, you know, I, I'm not sure what the other school was, but they kind of zoned out a bit. And I remember chipping in for Eagle on 17, the drive of the par four. It went in and it just meant so much to me. Got up there on 18 and I went long to a, a back pit and I was like, hmm. and a lot of people watching me and <laughs> I had great up and down. And so one place coach tells us not to miss. I missed there. A bit of adrenaline from the fairway. And then watching Yushin and Ricky come in, and we had some birdies and, you know, we won and it, it just felt awesome. Like it was a home event. Uh, you know, we had so many people watching and then that night, you know, we went out for a great dinner and you now we had a good night as a team. And that that's what it's about. You know, you know, you, you go do your individual part, you know, you, you get what you need to do and then you get there with your guys and you fight and you, you know, you're determined. And that, you know, we got off to a hot, you know, back to back wins there. And there's a lot of attention around us and, then we went to LSU and we, you know, it, that was, that event for me was a big turning point, um, unfortunately, and fortunately. And we were, we were leading with one round to go and we had a disaster on the second or last round. Um, we, we all didn't play well and we ended up not winning and placing quite poorly, actually. And it was a real shock to a lot of us. Yeah, I had my worst finish in many many years and it was at the wrong time because it was right around the you know the selection for the walker cup and it i i think that really kind of put me out of the selection um for that and it was just bad timing and i got back and i said to jc i said look i cannot play like that ever again you know i walked off that 18th green and i was just I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in a good place, and I came back. I took four days off, didn't touch a club, and for a month after that, I worked harder than I've ever worked hard in my life. You know, I got with the right people. I, you know, I put social life, friends aside. You know, I just was like, you know what, I, I've got to get on track, and I worked, I worked all day every day. Um, you know. I worked that night, you know, we have the range where we can hit balls in the bays at night. And I was out there at night, yeah. just, you know, graining and putting work. And I remember coming to my car one afternoon or one evening and on my mirror of the car, Coach Deacon put a little letter and I, I still have it in my wallet today. And it basically said, you know, he's proud of me for the work I'm putting in. And it shows a lot that I'm staying there, you know, being the last one to leave that parking lot every day. And it was good to see that someone re- was respecting my hard work. And it, I, I will do anything and everything to achieve what I want to achieve. And I won't let anything get in the way of it. And I worked so hard. And then, unfortunately, we had, you know, an instance in the team with COVID and we got shut down and we couldn't go to Auburn and play. That's right. Auburn. And, I said LSU. That's my fault. Yeah. 
Auburn. And for me, it was, I just got back working on this and I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go, you know, knock the course in pieces because I just came off a bad result and I worked so hard. And I knew also I wanted to go and, you know, I had, a you know, two decent results and then a bad one. And I wanted to have another good one just before the, you know, the Walker Cup selection and that. And I just didn't get the chance, unfortunately. But what that also did at the same time was it gave me more time to work on what I was working on. And it was a blessing in disguise. And then our, ne- our next event was the Calusa Cup. And that, that by far has been my, my favorite event. Not just because I've been playing well, but I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Calusa. I, but Calusa uh, I, I, I've heard, yeah, I've heard it's uh, it's it's pretty special place. Pretty special it's place. unbelievable. Yeah. It's, I mean, the greens are insane. The course layout's great. And so I went there and I was leading by two or three after day one. Um, didn't have a great second day, and I was tied for the lead. And went out in that final group on the last day. Um, John Pack, you know, I played was playing with him, and coach walked with me the whole round. And I just, I made a mistake on hole two and made a bogey on a par five, and you know, had had a mistake, you know, later in the back nine. And th- those were mistakes from inexperience. Um, they were a mistake that I, you know, I wouldn't make after playing more. If you know what I mean. Sure. And yeah. after after not being in contention for a while, I learned a lot, and you know, I fought out as hard as I could, and I had a top five. And so, going from my worst event to my best event was it, it showed me that hard work does pay off. And for any sport and any or any anything in life, you know, if you work hard, you know, you will get results. And to, when they show, it feels so good. Yeah, because then you want to you want to add more into it, and you, you it, yeah, you're giving the the results, and it's uh, it's proof that uh, the work you're putting in is helping. Um, exactly. You you go to regionals. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you guys did to did to, to get uh, this assignment, but you, I think we were talking earlier when you're at the Walker Cup, you're on the range with uh, with Fitz and with Mark Power, and there over at Wake Forest, and you guys are seeing the selections come out to figure out which regional you're going to go to. And you basically sent, you get sent as far as, uh, as far as possible across the country to Washington, about 3000 miles away. And, um, you, I think Florida, uh, I know Oklahoma, Pepperdine, um, there were a handful of schools that I was watching on golf stat that, and as I said, you got to be in the top five to advance to the national championship. There were several schools really top-ranked schools that, uh, uh, shall we say, it, it was interesting because you were you guys were really scrapping to get that, get, you know, get in. Um, talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, briefly what kind of message Coach Deacon was sharing with you all throughout that entire regional to kind of help you guys get through, as, as you've stated, as a rather young team. Yeah, I mean, after the rough rough team week at the SEC championship, not making match play. No, we, we really put in the work and, you know, we, we have a team where we can win any event, any week. You know, we, we, we've got, we've got, you know, we've got Ricky Castillo. You now he's, you know, just went four and in the Walker cup, you know, former world number or, you know, top 10 world ranking, you know, number one, in the world, Yushin Lin, two time, you know, winner of the Asia Pacifics playing the masters, you know, the open, you know, won several college events and, you know, we've got Tyler, you know, an amazing, you know, Florida freshman and, you know, myself and we've got, you know, Fred and, 
Gio, you know, Gio, he's playing some tour events in Italy and, you know, Fred's won a lot in Brazil. You know, we've got a team that's statistically so good and we've got the talent and we just, we just haven't had a day yet where we have all put it together. And that the day that we have four scores that all click, it's going to be amazing. And we, we went into that regional and we, you know, we went there for a mission. You know, it wasn't obviously where we wanted to go, uh, you know, across the country, different grass, different conditions. <laughs> you know, the first day I get out there and I'm on, I'm warming up and it's, you know, 34 degrees and starting to rain, but there's a bit of hail coming down. And it's like, you know, this is Florida. Play hard. Yeah. And, you know, we, we strive in, in tough conditions. You know, we play qualifying in tough conditions. And we like it when it's not, you know, when it's not normal. And that's what coach has really, really emphasized on those is, you know, we, we play for the conditions that people don't want to play in. And we, we call it gator weather. And we didn't get off to the best start. You know, second day wasn't the best start and we just didn't really have it. And so coming to the third day, we were two places out, six shots out of the cut line. And we all that night, we had a great team meeting. We had a great dinner and we really came together as a team. And we were like, look, we're, we're going to fight for every shot. We're going to fight for each other, no matter what it takes. And we're going to go out there with energy and we're going to, we're going to get it done. You know, the Gator nation is looking on us and we're going to make them proud. And we went out that day and I, m- I remember getting to the fifth hole and looking at the leaderboard. And seeing that several schools have already dropped below us, and I was like, "Wow, you know, so early on, we're making a move." You know, halfway get around, and I said, "You know, Coach Mark was walking with me, and I said, how we're doing?'" He's like, "It's kind of turning back the other way," <laughs> and I, I was like, "All right." And it, I just I tried so hard, and you know, all the guys tried so hard, and we get to the 15th hole, and it's back to back par fives, and I look at the leaderboard, and we're playing with Denver, and it's just between us and Denver on the cut line and they were two ahead. And I, I look over and the Denver kid looks over and he looks at me and I look at him and I just, it was kind of like the almost game on yeah, face. Like, Here we go. And he makes a, you could tell after he looked at that leaderboard, he got nervous because he, you know, he was a great player, you know, played great all day. And then the, the swings he started to make were, you know, a bit, you know, and for everyone, you know, myself, Oh yeah, you're it, it, it was clench time. You know, everyone started getting tense. It got tight. You could just feel it. And we had a couple, you know, we had Ricky out there left too. You know, he had a, you know, he was way over par and he pulled it all the way back and got his back in contention. And we had a, uh, we were tied going into 17 and Ricky made a bomb for a par and this huge fist pump. Um, and he put so much pressure and, the other team, you know, they, they made a mistake. So then we had we had a two-shot lead going into 18. And, you know, me and the boys are sat on the hill of the 18th hole and we're just, you know, crossing our fingers. And we see Ricky back in the fairway and he's way back there. And we're like, wow, did he hit an iron off the tee or anything? Like, no, he's in. So he hits it to the front of the green and Casey comes up because he, he sniped it off the tree. Oh, God. Um, and, you know, we, we got a fortunate break. And we're like, oh, thank God. Steps up there for the 75-foot putt up a cliff and buries it. And 
we just go we just go nuts. You know, the emotion just came out. You know, Ricky's fist pump. You know, all the boys and I jumped up and screamed. And the coaches, you know, they were brought to tears because it, it was such an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Like you said, you know, no matter how good a player you are, how good the team you are, the regionals are something different. It's just, who are the best five teams that week? Yeah. And the relief it was to just get through and and the position we were, and it, it brought us so close. And it, that's what college golf is all about. It's It's moments like that. You know, you, you don't get to live that much, you know, often in, in, in golf. You yeah. know, there's not much team stuff. And so we were able to do it. And so now we came back and we're all working hard and we're getting, you know, we're leaving next week. Um, we've got a job to do and we're all prepared for it. And I think we're more than capable of, you know, bringing that championship back to Gainesville. Yeah. And you guys have, uh, you know, obviously it's a very similar situation. You got to uh, got to get through the stroke play portion. You got to get yourself in those, uh, in that those, one of those top eight slots to get to match play. And then obviously, you know, uh, know as well as anyone that once you get to match play, anything can happen. You've had a lot of experience playing on teams, um, uh, you know, in, in match play formats. And, um, you know, before I let you go, before I let you get back to preparing for the national championship, uh, I, I want to talk briefly about the Walker Cup. You were uh, the you were the second alternate on the GB&I squad after Sandy Scott had to withdraw due to injury. That kind of bumped up Jack Dyer and then uh, added Jake Bolton into the lineup as a, a first reserve and then moved you up to the second reserve. I know that Walker Cup is something that's been on your radar for quite some time. I know it was a big target for 2021. But as you said, still young, still uh, I'm I'm guessing all plans are for you to make the 2023 team your your priority to go over to St Andrews. You know that's not a bad track. You should try and play St yeah. Andrews. It's not uh, it's not a bad town. You you'll like it. Um, but uh, I I want to ask you. Uh, you know, obviously there's the disappointment of not playing. There's the thrill of actually being in the team room and being a part of it. What is maybe a takeaway that you have from your experience that week that is going to help you um, not only push to make the team in 2023, but should you make it, uh, which I know that's your every intention, how will it help you be successful in 2023? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously, you know, I I wish I would have been able to play, um, you know, this year, obviously being in Florida and having a lot of experience in Florida, but it, it was an awesome week, you know, down at Seminole, you know, I was, it, it was tough to watch obviously. Cause I, I, you know, as a player, you just want to go out there and you really want to go and help. And, you know, I just wanted to be set free and play some match like that as my favorite part of the game. And, but I, I, I loved just the whole setup of it, you know, Seminole, you know, Jimmy Dunn, he, he ran that event. Like I've never seen before. It, it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, the members, they were incredible. The hospitality, you know, the patrons, you know, both teams, you know, it was, it was a great week, especially the way, you know, the world's been in golf in the past few, you know, months. And I, I learned a lot. You know, it, it was kind of, you know, as just watching for once rather than be playing, I learned a lot. Um, and, you know, every morning I woke up early with a team, 6 a.m. and got on that bus and, you know, I had the opportunity to stay back and not come until later, but I wanted to be there. I was on the first tee every day, you know, encouraging the guys as they're going out. And, you know, I wanted to do everything I could to help the team to get the win. You know, although I wasn't playing, I was part of that team and I was part of, uh, you know, Great Britain and Ireland. And, 
Now it's from where I'm from and it's what I bleed. And so I did everything that week I could to help the guys out. And, you know, it was, it was close. It came down pretty close, but unfortunately, you know, they obviously, you know, the U S team just came on top and I, I definitely learned a lot that, you know, I can incorporate to my game and into how I go about in a team environment for the next one. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to work as hard as ever, like I have in the past and, do everything I can to put myself in a position where I will make the team and be able to go over to St. Andrews and play there. I've played there a couple of times and it'd just be an awesome place, you know, the home of golf to, you know, to compete on, you know, UK soil and that. And I really, I'm really motivated for the next one. Um, it showed me a lot and I just, you know, I can't count the days down until that opportunity hopefully comes up. Yeah. Walker Cup's definitely one of my favorite events, and uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everything you said about uh, how it was uh, how it was held at Seminole, um, completely, uh, you know, never forget that. And, and I can't imagine what St. Andrews is going to be like. I've been to St. Andrews a handful of times, so I'm really looking forward to being there. So I was going to ask how good Ricky is at ping pong and why does he keep ducking me every time I want to, you know, play. He's all there's always these excuses, you know. He's, no, I'm just kidding. That that that, that, that kid. That boy, he is so good at ping pong. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I know. I on um, the, the one of his freshman year, I heard that he would be out there at night practicing, and he watches videos. And I, uh, I made it my goal to by the time I leave Florida to be able to beat him in a game of ping pong, and haven't done that yet. But he's, <laughs> you know, we we have some intense matches during practice, and uh, Coach Deacon, I mean, he's he's just as good, and it's cool seeing them go at it because they get really into it, and it gets very intense and it's good to have a little bit of competition within the team, you know, as we're working out and, you know, as we've got some time off and it's, it's golf's a very competitive sport. I'm a very competitive person. That's why I love match play. Um, and, and that's why the Walker cup to me means a lot as it is the pinnacle of amateur match play and, you know, playing for great Britain boys team in the Jack Lugley's trophy two years um, and playing for England golf in the home internationals and the European boys championships for several years, you know, it's, it's part of who I am and it's part of what I strive to be better at. And I, I do think it's one of my strengths in, in my game. And that's why, you know, I look forward to the Arnold Palmer cup, which I'll be playing in a couple of weeks time. Yeah. And I, I, I just love these, you know, extra, match play as it is, you know, US junior AMs, US AMs, British AMs, but team, team match players, you know, my dream one day, obviously, is, you know, Ryder Cup. That would just be unbelievable. So I, imagine, I definitely imagine if Poulter's your captain on Ryder Cup. Oh my gosh! I mean, that that would be the picture perfect story yeah. right there. That's oh my sure. gosh! You gotta if you do wherever that Ryder Cup is, if it's in the states or even if it's over somewhere in Europe, you gotta you gotta like drive a red Ferrari to uh, to to the golf course just for old yeah, time I'll, something I'll like him, that. I'll ask him if he can lend me one for yeah, the week. Yeah, he's got what he, he probably got about thirty seven of them, so that shouldn't be a problem. Um, well, Joe, listen, man, um, really great seeing you at Walker Cup, and I uh, I wish you the best out at the national championship. Um, you know, I know you will uh, do Gator Nation proud. We've had a lot of Gators on this podcast, so uh, glad you're able to spend some time and uh, safe travels out to Arizona. And uh, thank, appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Thank you very much for having me, and um, great for having me out here. I appreciate it. And there you have it. Special thanks to Joe Pagden for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every single episode is available 
at thebackofthe We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range. <laughs>